makes anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Here, we have Paul illustrating how there were new Jewish Christians and new Gentile Christians who were now intermingling with one another, and the Jewish people struggled with the fact that they could eat anything they wanted to now. Their diet restrictions had been canceled out, and they struggled with that because they'd been brought up all their lives not to eat certain things. But then the Roman Christians were kind of, hey, what's going on here? I've always enjoyed this food. Why is it a problem for you? It was a problem for them. And food that was sacrificed to idols was a problem for a lot of people. And Paul's trying to help people see you can't offend your brother over food. Let's continue on. For if because of food your brother is hurt, your brother is offended. If he is hurt or offended, you are no longer walking according to love. You're offending him and you're okay with it. It shouldn't be that way. Do not destroy with food, with your food, him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. That's not what we're supposed to be about. It's not about our preferences. It's about bringing others to Christ. Everything that we do, even the food that we eat. But the kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. So you would want to avoid this type of offending as well. If someone is weak in a certain area, if someone has a temptation in a certain area that maybe isn't wrong to you, not even wrong in Scriptures, but to them they struggle with it, you would want to be careful not to offend that brother. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. We have to watch our behavior and what we do so as to not offend for pointless reasons. There are offenses, however. On to the next slide, please. And just click all the way through it. Yeah, that'll be good. There are offenses, though, and we must learn to offend like Jesus did. Matthew chapter 15, please. This is how we should be offending people in the way Christ did. But there are some nuances to this. There are some things that we as humans might have a difficult time in balancing love and the boldness that Christ came forward with. Matthew chapter 15 in verse 7. Here, Jesus is speaking to His disciples and He's speaking about the Pharisees and the scribes. Chapter 15 and verse 7. You hypocrites, He says, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The Pharisees and scribes believed themselves to be closer to God than anyone else in the world. They had a special place right up there with God. And what does this simple carpenter say? He tells them, you are hypocrites. And Isaiah was right when he said about you, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Jesus lowered the boom on them. Jesus was offensive. He wasn't nice about it. He had to tell them what they needed to hear. But in vain, he says, your worship is vain. And you teach your doctrines, the precepts of men, what man has come up with. You act like that is from God, and it simply is not. After Jesus called the crowd to Him, He said to them, Hear and understand. 
It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles the man. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? And then Jesus said, I'm sorry. Let me go apologize. He didn't say that. He didn't say, let me change my message. He didn't say that. He didn't say, let me, let me go, go pay them something. Give them, give them money to, to bring them back. He didn't say any of those things. But rather he says to them in verse 13, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant <clears throat> shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind, and if a blind man fall, guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Jesus tells His disciples after the Pharisees and scribes have gone, he's already, he's already offended them, and He doesn't hold up. He says, well, let them think it. Let them think it. They are not of My Father. They are not following the prophecies. They are not honoring Me as the Son of God. They are not doing what they are supposed to be doing as part of the Jewish council. They're not doing any of these things. They shall be uprooted. So here you see Jesus, out of love for them, out of a concern for their soul, was offensive and told the people what they needed to hear. They didn't want to hear it, and they were offended, but Christ did not change His message. Next slide, please. We must offend, but we must be careful not to be a people pleaser. Because that's what happens to us whenever we think, well, oh, I can't offend. Well, it's something down deep inside of you that says you can't be offensive because you want everyone to like you. You want everyone to be okay with you. So are you a people pleaser? There's four things here that tell us if we're a people pleaser or not. Do you agree with whoever is in front of you? This is a polite way to act in some circles, but... It can get into people-pleasing. But whenever you also, though, hear scriptural error or error about what Jesus would have said at that moment, whatever the occasion calls for, do you speak up? Or do you just agree? This can happen with those that we're friends with and young people. It's something that you face on a regular basis. As you live your Christian life and show others the light that we've talked about, I hope that you are speaking out when the time is right, when the occurrence is there, and even making those moments as well. Number two, do you apologize for things that aren't your fault? Again, this is going deep into the psychology of how you grew up and what you deal with now. People pleasers often make themselves responsible for the emotional responses of others. Whenever they do that, they're taking on more burden than they should. If someone feels bad, you may blame yourself or fear that the person thinks you're the problem. And this goes way back into probably messages you got as an adult, maybe even your inner self talk. So when someone feels bad, you apologize, but you didn't do anything wrong. That's being a people pleaser. Number three, you're also unable to say no. Say yes to one thing. Whenever you do that, you're saying no to something else. What you must do is say no to the right things. 
Say no to things that take up your time. Say no to things that hurt your spiritual life. Say no to people that you know that are bad influences on you. And that might offend them. That might be something you struggle with. But would Jesus want you with those people? He might want you with them to try to reach them with the Gospel. But as I've said before, you're either pulling them with you or they're dragging you down away from Jesus Christ. So do you struggle to say no? It might mean you're a people pleaser. Also, number four, do you change your personality depending on who's around you? Sometimes we do that to fit in so that people will like us. But when Jesus had His message and taught other people, He didn't wonder if they liked them. He wondered, are they hearing my message of love, of responsibility, of accountability, that will bring them to the Heavenly Father and assure that they have a home in heaven someday. Next slide, please. To a degree, we act certain ways to fit into a community. Jesus tells us to take up His cross and follow Him, and hopefully we're doing that. And hopefully the people around us are doing that as well. And so there is a community that is formed a community, though, of checks and balances, so to speak. If you're worried about me spiritually, perhaps you'll check up on me. If I'm worried about you, I'm going to check in with you. Not, not to fit in, but to be a part of the family of God. And So the question is, are you a part of a Christian community? We're not trying to please those people necessarily, but hopefully all of us are brought together because we are trying to be pleasing to Christ. Our next point, young people especially, want to fit in so they work to please the crowd. They wear particular clothing. They, they may talk a certain way because it's all about fitting in. And also our adults, adults who may continue to struggle to please people, this is an unhealthy pattern of behavior to get into. This may go way back to your upbringing. Maybe you wanted to please your parents. It never happened. So you worked to please the adults in your life and that fell short as well. We never got the approval that we longed for, so we continually search for it at our jobs, with other people that perhaps even don't matter in some ways. Next point, please. Christian Bale, famous actor who played Batman, once said, if you have a problem with me, call me. And let's work it out. If you don't have my phone number, then you don't matter enough for me to worry about you. We should and should not care what other th people think about us. We're trying to win souls. We're not trying to please everyone. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10 the next point says this, For I am now, and for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Everything you do, what are you trying to win over? The favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? To be looked at as good and honorable in their lives. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. This week, tomorrow morning, when you wake up, 
What's the first thing that's going to come to your mind? I need to do this. Is that who you're trying to please? Or are you trying to please our Heavenly Father? Next slide. If you want to offend people, follow the Bible. A lot of people work to follow their heart. Heart's deceitful. That's why we don't follow our follow God's ways. Brother N.B. Hardiman was once asked what dangers he saw confronting the church. He said four things. He said, number one, there is a lack of Bible knowledge and a light regard for what it says. We must look at the Bible as authoritative. If we do A, B, and C here, what is the X, Y, and Z of why we do those things? Because we want to strive to please God. That can be offensive to some. Number two says this, Brother Hardman says this, a tendency to make the church a social club. It's what people want. I think there's a balance here to work to meet the social needs and desires of people. They will come here and they'll find that, but they'll also find uh, the gospel. But social club, no. It's not what it needs to be. Number three, a disposition to compromise the truth and to discourage Sound preaching. You know, what does the Bible say? Not what will bring people in. What's pleasing to God, not what is pleasing to man, as we saw in Galatians chapter 1. And lastly, Brother Hardiman said, a love for the praise of men more than the praise of God. He knows about Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 as well. Lest they should be put out of someone's social circle. We're all trying to find our group. There's a lot of human behavior that is reflective of that that shows we're after somewhere, something to belong to. But when you look at that group, would Jesus be a part of that group as well? We must be willing to follow the Bible and be willing to offend ourselves. The next slide begins a rather lengthy passage, but I I couldn't bring it down any smaller, so I thought, man, I'm just going to read it. It says it really well. A friend of mine, uh, Brandon Edwards, I uh, shared this on Facebook one day, and I said, I just, I just got to read it. Now, what happens if you eliminate anything from the Bible that offends your sensibility and crosses against your will? What happens when you read something you don't like in Scripture? If you pick and choose what you want to believe and reject the rest, how will you ever have a God who can contradict you? How will you ever have a God that shows you a better way? How will you ever have a God that can bring you out of the darkness unless you see what Scripture says and you see, I'm living wrong, I need to live right. You'll have a God, essentially, of your own making. And not the God whom you can have a relationship and general interaction with. Only if your God can say things that outrage you and make you struggle as in a real friendship or marriage, will you know that you have gotten hold of the real God and not some figment of your imagination. So an authoritative Bible is not the enemy of a personal relationship with God. It is the precondition for it. Matthew chapter 10, please, let's turn there. Here, Jesus is giving us further instructions on how to offend, how we can do it. Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 16. 
Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. That's why so many Christian families struggle, because Christ can be divisive. Living the Christian life can be offensive to some, so it, it can and has split up families, and we see evidence of it right here. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes." The next verse, Brother Peter said it well also in 1 Peter chapter 2. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the Word. And to this doom, they were also appointed. People are not necessarily physically hurt today, at least in our country. Not necessarily physically hurt today, but when we speak of Christ, when we stand up for what is right, people will be mean to us. And that's certainly not even close to the horrendous things that people faced in the first century. But we'll be hated. You've got to be willing to be hated. You've got to be willing to offend people. You've got to be willing to stand up for Christ because if you're a Christian, that is what He has called you to do. So as you cause people to hate you, but really it's not you. It's the message, not the messenger. But many were stoned, many were martyred because of their belief in Jesus Christ. But they, even with their dying breath, confess that they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But what we must always do, though, is present an offensive message to those who need to hear it. But that number gets smaller and smaller, it seems, the closer you get to the cross. Next slide, please, because the cross is offensive. Go ahead and click through all of them. Jesus fed 5,000 but only 500 followed Him afterwards. Jesus had 12 disciples, but only three went further into the garden with Him. And yet only two stood with Jesus at the cross. The closer you get to the cross, the smaller the crowd gets. So it is indeed an offensive place to be if we're living, if we're preaching, if we're going and telling others the true message of Jesus Christ. Now, to be abundantly clear, 
Our purpose is not to offend. That's an easy task. But it's not our ultimate purpose. The point is not to offend people. Do not set out to offend. You are not spiritual. You are not more pious. You are not more godly because you just make folks mad. The point is to stand for the truth of the Scriptures. And with that said, my question is this, if you aren't offending people, what are you doing? If you stand for biblical truth, offense is inevitable. And let's end the lesson here with Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There will be many people on Judgment Day that wish they had been offended such as the rich man and the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I'm sure he wishes someone had offended him. Change your ways this morning. Let the Word of God work on your heart. See its knowledge. See its truth. Become a Christian today by being baptized. If you're not a Christian though and need prayers of strength or forgiveness, come forward and let us assist you with that as well. Please come now as we stand and sing. I am no longer